Welcome to the Multifamily Artist Podcast. I believe there's a rhythm and art in everything that we do. This is my journey about how I went from being a hip hop dancing engineer to a multifamily real estate investor. If you want to learn more about how you can start investing in real estate, stay tuned to learn from multifamily real estate investors and hear how they found their rhythm and created their own sound investments. What's up, everyone? Welcome to the Multifamily Artist Podcast. On this episode, we are going to go over the famous origin story, the story on how I got bit by the radioactive dance bug, became a professional dancer overnight. My uncle died, then I had to dance battle Green Goblin. Obviously won. Woke up the next morning and wanted to start a professional a multi a podcast about multifamily real estate investing type of story yeah nah but on the real i i definitely had to go through a bit of soul searching to find my way to multifamily investing so to preface this story family first off the most important aspect in my life i would not be where i am today without them my grandparents had the opportunity to come to the U.S. from the Philippines, and they were able to make a life for us. You know, I've had the the best. I have the best parents, step parents, siblings, loved ones, the strongest support system I could ever ask for, and and they're some of the hardest working people I know. They've given so much to me that it only makes sense for me to give back. And so, like my whole dream in life is to be the best son, brother and future father and husband uh, and have my family and them be financially free so we can maximize our time spent together, right? So everything I do now is for them. And, you know, and, and, you know, just going back to, back to how much they mean to me, I'm just like extremely blessed because like they were able to teach me about compassion, work ethic, unconditional love, you know, et cetera, to have a great sense of humor and cringy jokes just to start a podcast. <laughs> um, but honestly, one thing that they did always instill in me, though, was that whatever I do, I give it my all. No excuses, 200%. So, I mean, now it was it was really just a matter of figuring out what in the world I wanted to dedicate my time to in order to provide for my family while also making sure I, I, I enjoy this life, right? So I went to Loyola Marymount University in LA for a degree in mechanical engineering. Call, my college, college experience was definitely different than what they depicted on American Pie. I wasn't always out partying. I was super involved as I was a resident advisor. I was a mascot. Don't tell LMU. I, even though they already knew, um, <laughs> I was in a service organization, shout out to Magis, and I was in a couple dance crews. I, I really just enjoyed this idea of like hustling and working, giving back to the community, and also like being able to establish a better resume for when I get out of college. And so 
so that was like on the extracurricular side of the school, but like on the school wise side, like I was good at math and physics. So I figured let's just jump into mechanical engineering. The main reason was because I wanted to learn how to build a product. I've always wanted to do something entrepreneurial. You know, I figured I can learn the technicalities of product design and then learn about business later. And that will separate me from the pack, yada, yada, yada. And maybe just maybe I might be able to create one of those cool products that can, that I can sell for millions of dollars. Uh, but, you know, I want I want everyone to guess how many products I've created in college. That's right, baby. Zero, zero zip nil. I tried making, I tried making this, this super dumb app because I was going through a breakup and I thought it was, I was a boring boyfriend and <laughs> it was, it was an app on like love experiences and, and uh, then like, Oh, this would be the best for a first date. And this would be best if you're trying to save on a date. Um, and you know, Yelp just stole my idea. I even, I even had this one idea of trying to create this retractable coat hanger or even like this laundry machine that would fold my own or this machine that folded my laundry just because I was being lazy. I don't want to fold my laundry. Um, but you can definitely ask my engineering friends. I, I just tried to come up with some of the dumbest inventions and none of them panned out, but and, and, you know, I definitely felt stupid, but hey, you know, I, I got a degree, right? So in parallel to my education while I was in college, the second reason why I wanted to go to LA was because one of my passions was for dance. And I knew that, in particular, the hip hop dance, and I knew that all of the best dancers were in LA. So while I was in college, there was a big part of me that was seriously considering this as my professional career dancing in music videos, going on tour, being in commercials, I'd being in movies, traveling the world. I, I took class at some of the biggest studios out there. I joined a program and trained with people that dance for big celebrities like Rihanna, Kehlani, or even Chris Brown, right? So one day I'm in college. Right, I'm, I'm walking to the cafeteria to get something to eat after a long day of class, and you know I get this text, and it's a text from a big time dancer actually that I grew up and modeled a lot of my dance style on. I met him at one of his dance classes he was teaching earlier in the year, and we were able to exchange information because he liked how I how I did his choreography, you know, because I because I did pretty well. But anyways, I get this text. And I'm in this group text full of numbers that I don't know. And the first words that I see are paid gig alert, paid gig alert, Jimmy Kimmel Live. Who's available? Freaking out, I respond immediately and say, I'm good to go. And after a number of people respond, he texts back and says, cool, meet at this location tomorrow. Gig is in two days what crazy like I literally I literally stopped my walk and I'm pretty sure I squealed and I don't think I've ever squealed before in my life but like this was this was like finally like my first gig right like my first big time tv show Jimmy Kimmel and like as a as a dancer like I thought this was my break inside the actual dance industry right like how does a guy 
who taught himself dance from YouTube videos, who only did it to impress girls, make it onto Jimmy Kimmel Live. It was just, it was such a surreal moment, right? So I show up to rehearsal, walk into a room where there's a bunch of people that I actually looked up to online. And it was about a group of 10 of us, right? And the first thought in my head was, oh shit, like what, what the hell did I get into? I'm in way over my head. Don't freak out. But at the end of the day, it was, it was just such a, an amazing experience. It was, it was a taste into what the end entertainment industry was like from rehearsals to the pre-show, post-show, the whole nine yards, right? So we rehearse, perform the show the next day, amazing energy. I felt like I was on cloud nine. After the show comes, after so so after the show, right, comes one of the producers. So so we're actually so after the show, we perform. We're just chilling inside the the back room. Audience still going crazy. Uh, one of the producers from Jimmy Kimmel Live comes into into our dressing room, right, and he starts handing out all this all this paperwork, <laughs> all the rehearsal time. So with rehearsal, it would come out to, you know, almost about a thousand dollars, I believe. So they didn't sign it and out came five words out of, out of one of the, the seasoned dancers in history, sort of like the leader, right? He said, send this to my agent. That's when I realized that I was the only one not represented by an agency. So my choice was to take the lower number or trust the choreographer to send me the money when it came in. Pretty much by peer pressure, I didn't want the other dancers to feel disrespected by me signing the agreements to the lower wage. And so, and also I, I wanted a thousand dollars. I mean, 200 to a thousand as a college student, that's like, that's way better, right? So, so I figured I, I, trusted, I trusted the choreographer to send me the money when he gets it, cool. So we go to his house, watch the show, all calm daisies, I leave. A week goes by, I follow up, he doesn't have the money, right? Haven't given it to him yet. He told me that this process sometimes takes a little bit of time before you get money. One month goes by, nothing. Three months go by, nothing. A year goes by, I think I may have sent him a text. I don't even know if he responded. Five years later, and still there was, there was nothing. And, and you know what sucks is, is, is we haven't talked since then, but like what really, really sucked was that this was someone that I really looked up to. I had my hopes and dreams of possibly turning one of my passions into a profession, but all I felt was just embarrassed. It just, it, it didn't sit right with me. And so, so after these, after these three months, after, after like three months of, of, from the show, right? Something changed. Two mindset shifts came out of this. And, and it wasn't that I was, that I should be represented by an agency next time. The first mindset shift that came out was, was that I hate the feeling of depending on someone else for my own paycheck.
Granted, it was only $1,000, but the principle of that being taken away without any of my control really just like made my stomach turn, right? It was in the hands of somebody else. And I knew that I, I wanted to take accountability for my own income. The second mindset shift that occurred was that I need to find a way to create passive income and create a, a financial support system for myself, right? Because I knew from that moment on, if, if it all goes downhill and my primary source of income isn't, isn't providing, I need to figure out a way to get another source of like stable income or else I'm dead in the water. So it was right then and there. That's when I realized that dance didn't align with my interests like I love dance, right? And, and I was passionate about it, but the more I thought about it and in knowing some of the dancers within the industry, it was going from gig to gig to gig to make ends meet. Like practices would be extremely late, sometimes going from like 8 p.m. to 1 a.m., 2 a.m., 3 a.m., late, late, it's like super late nights of hours and hours of practice. And like granted, like I have so much respect for professional dancers because of how much love they have for it and how much dedication they have for it and how much commitment they put into it. But it just, the, the career path didn't seem to make sense to me if this was something that I also wanted to try and provide for my family in the future. And also like side note too, like the, well not side note, but like no disrespect to the dancers that have a family and are actually doing it. There are people absolutely killing it in the game. And, and I know that like, there, there are definitely some family dancers out there that, that are doing awesome. But like for me, I, I just don't think I loved dance enough to go through the struggles. And it definitely didn't seem like the best path for me for financial freedom, right? So like just based on this moment, like this moment combined with my dream of being able to take care of my family and being financially free was really all that I needed in order for me to dig deep and really take life into, into my own hands. And so that's, that's, that's when, that's when it's, that's when this journey really started, right? Like, let's try and find another, another source of income and, and, and be stable, right? I got the degree, Let's see if I can if I can back this up, right? So then while I was I was doing some research, I stumbled across bigger pockets and they said that investing in rental properties was a great way to get another source of income. So I started looking into investing into rental properties. And one option that came up was house hacking. House hacking really quick is when you buy a house and rent out the other rooms and have your roommates pay you as the landlord. Ideally, you'd want to find a property at the right price where your roommates are covering the expenses and you get to live in the property for free. And when I found this out, I literally thought I found the golden ticket. I thought it was better. I thought it was better than just getting another source of income. I would be getting passive income, right? It, and it made complete sense to me to buy a property, rent it out and have my tenants cover the mortgage and even in expenses and even better find one that cash flows, Right. So it's like, okay, perfect. I'll find one easily in SoCal or NorCal. Um, you know, but then I, I realized my dreams were crushed pretty quickly because I was living 
in California and houses and the house value is extremely expensive. So cash flow is very rare. And I realize that people usually bank on appreciation here in California. So we know the value of the house is going to go up, especially in the San Francisco Bay Area. It just takes time. So that brought me to thinking, if I can find a property that cash flows and appreciates, I'd feel like I had the biggest cojones in the room. So financial freedom really looked like, uh, but 20, I, I chose 20 rental properties because 20 was the number, oh, excuse me, because 20 was, was the number on my jersey when I was playing basketball. So I was like, all right, 20, 20, 20 properties, right? So I was, so I was listening to, to Grant Cardone at, at some moment in time, and he started talking about investing in multifamily properties. And he, he talked about how investing in multifamily properties took roughly about the same amount of work as it was in investing in single family homes. And I remember him saying that one of his biggest regrets was that he didn't scale up fast enough. So I figured, why not? You know, I, I started doing my research, educating myself here and there and how people are doing these larger apartment deals and more important, more in more particular, like I was looking at syndications. Okay, so side note, quick side note, syndications is simply a group of investors pulling together their resources to invest in projects much bigger than they can afford or manage on their own. With these larger apartment deals, it seems more like a team sport. And so for syndications, there were the general partners, which were the ones that were doing all the work and finding, managing, and financing the deals. And then there were the limited partners who were the passive investors that could put some money in the deal and get all the benefits as the active investor or, or general partner would have without any of the headaches. So... I mean, since, since I was a broke college student in debt, I didn't have any value I could bring to the table, zero money, zero experience. And so, I mean, how, how in the world was I gonna, gonna get involved in something like this, right? So I figured, okay, let's, let's try and leverage my, my mechanical engineering degree. And out of the blue, turns out that I actually knew someone who was in the midst of building some restaurants for some of his clients. So he was up and coming and, and was yeah, he was building for some, some big time clients. So I, I figured in my head, this would be perfect. I can learn about construction and bring that to the table and be a valuable asset. So I hopped on board, asked for a job and, and worked my, 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 my tush off, worked my butt off. I was averaging 10 to 16 hours. I was, I was averaging working 10 to 16 hours a day. There wasn't, there was literally like anything that I wouldn't be up to for, to, to, to do, right? Like I would help manage the subcontractors, document daily logs, keep track of our submittals, keep track of the RFIs. And, you know, we even implemented a more efficient uh, tech strategy to get information downloaded to our foreman, I would pick up trash, dive in the dumpster. I would climb a scaffold, drive a trailer, pick up material, anything, literally anything, you name it. Like I, I really wasn't afraid to jump in the trenches. I mean, there were even times where I worked 
36 hours straight. And even at, I, I remember at this one, there's like a one moment, a uh, particular time within, uh, within the construction process, right? I, I remember I had a night job and a day job and I lived about an hour away, right? So I had to sleep in my car for a week because, well, one, I lived far away from the job sites and I had to manage both because we were limited on resources, stuff happened. And so like I, they needed at least one person on site from the mall that I was at and then no one was managing the other one. So just, I had to dig deep and really, you know, just get it, get it done and really try and get through that week. I, I remember even bought wisps, um, Listerine and deodorant just to see if I can get through without showering. It was crazy. Um, you know, but, but even like, I, yeah, I gave it my all, but as, as hard as it was, and, you know, I, I just felt extremely blessed to have built five restaurants in NorCal and SoCal. Some reputable names are Heidi Lao, Din Tai Fung, and Cher Tea. Surprisingly, all Asian restaurants. <laughs> um, but, it, well, anyways, the, the next job I was supposed to do was in Nordstrom's over in NorCal. And lo and behold, COVID struck and they stopped building. So... Here I was back again, three years later, still no form of side income, still depending on a company for a paycheck. It seemed all too familiar. I did this for three years, but even after three years, I still didn't know anything about multifamily. Yeah, sure. I'm able to apply some construction knowledge and know the general basics of, of the permanent building process. But when it came to budgets, restaurant budgets are completely different than apartment building renovation budgets. Like some skills were transferable, you know, but it didn't seem enough to be a valuable asset to a general partnership. So in my mind, what in, what in the world did I do all this work for? Why did I sleep in a car? Why, why did I work 36 hours straight? You know, I sacrificed all of my time and energy for what? To go back to square one and not have any properties? Yeah, you know, I, I didn't meet any active investors or general partners. I still barely knew how the multifamily buildings were priced. I barely knew how the underwriting went. I barely knew anything about acquisitions. I barely knew anything about multifamily lending. I tried learning everything on the side, but still it wasn't even enough to be a valuable asset to be a partner in a real estate deal. But after all that I went through, the failed inventions, dance, construction, I, I don't regret any of it at all. I've learned something from each and every one of them. Through the failed inventions, I've learned that it's okay to take the risk and try something new it's trial and error. Some will hit, some won't. In my case, none of them hit. <laughs> but, but I learned about the process of creating something new. Through construction, I learned the benefits of systems and communication and information, work ethic and alignment of interests. I didn't realize how hard I could work. Since there were so many people involved in the construction process, I realized that there's 
and it, it is incredibly important to systemize communication and workflow or else information might fall through the cracks. It's incredibly important to know that we're all working for a common goal. It's incredibly important to trust your teammates in knowing that they will do what they say they will do. And then with dance, along with learning about work ethic, dance really taught me the value of vulnerability. Every single training session was always a vulnerable moment. I would go into a random, random room with a bunch of random people, dance in front of them with confidence, with a one minute choreography that I learned in 45 minutes next to all these other killer dancers, knowing that I can't look stupid and mess up really badly and make a fool out of myself at any moment, while also knowing that they're filming the class so they can post this on YouTube and knowing that I wanna be posted on YouTube so I can build up my reputation as a professional dancer. <laughs> like it's, it's, it's vulnerable, right? But it took a lot of repetitions to be able to dance with confidence. It took a lot of repetitions before I could find my rhythm. And sooner or later, eventually, I eventually found it, right? But taking a step back, I realized that this feeling of vulnerability was present when I was trying to create a product and even in construction too, right? Like I felt so stupid at the beginning of each of those journeys whether it was coming up with a stupid idea or like not knowing what a Sawzall is <laughs> or, or knowing that in restaurants, you know, in a, you know, using metal studs versus wood studs, it, it all of that was foreign and, and it was really just, just the beginning, right? It was just the beginning of this journey. So, so I started to dive deeper and similar to dance, once we get a little bit more comfortable with being vulnerable, we start to find our niche. And once we find our niche, we start to, we start to be more sound in our actions. But then when I realized that we find that, that once I realized that we, when we are more, when we are doing more sound actions, like, those, those sound actions differentiate all across the board and develop these different styles in everything that we do. There are different styles of dance, different styles of construction, different styles of products being made. As a dancer, I realized that this is the process, that the process is the same as any artist's journey from vulnerability to finding their niche to, and, and creating their own style and, and to bring it all together, different styles of multifamily real estate investing, right? Everyone has a journey and a style to how people invest in multifamily real estate. People's beginnings to investing in apartment buildings in California is way different than people's beginnings, people's journeys to investing in apartment buildings in Texas, even down to the way they underwrite and manage the deal. So fast forward to now, I'm still on my journey to financial freedom. I still love the idea of investing in apartment buildings. I've taken a couple multifamily apartment boot camps, Multifamily U by Neil Bawa and the Multifamily Fire Accelerator by Kyle Marcotte. So this podcast, this podcast is, the, is, is my journey. And I invite you all to join me on my journey, learn with me, to, to learn more and, and 
about multifamily investing and, and on my, our journeys to financial freedom, right? And so for this podcast, I learned from professional multifamily real estate investors and hear how they found their rhythm and create their own sound investments. Thanks for listening to the Multifamily Artist Podcast. If you got any value out of this episode, I'd greatly appreciate if you head over to iTunes, leave a rating and review the show, which will help more people receive that same value. If you're looking to connect and talk more about multifamily real estate, you can reach me at inrhythmmultifamily.com. Thanks again, and I'll see you next time.